Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with Rewind Classic. It's me, Brett Goldstein. Hello. I took a little break from the podcast to focus on work. Hope that's okay. But next week should be back with brand new episodes. In the meantime, I'm releasing this all-time, all-time classic episode with the wonderful Susie Ruffle, one of the great, 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 great comedians. We recorded this episode years ago, I think, and it's a beautiful one, and I think it's going to make you cry and laugh and learn and love and feel good inside. I really hope you enjoy it. In the meantime, head over to Apple TV Plus, where you can watch... Now the first three episodes of Ted Lasso season three and all of Shrinking. Watch them and I really hope you enjoy them. Everything else you need for the podcast is available at the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get videos and secrets and openings and closings of films, all sorts of stuff. Check it out. I hope you're all well. Hopefully back next week with a new one. I think that's it for now. So in the meantime, I very much hope you enjoy this rewind classic of films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm joined today by an actor, a writer, a phenomenal stand-up and an incredible all-round human. Yeah, Let's sure. call it like it is. Please welcome to the show, the fabulous Susie Raffle. There's nothing sadder than just clapped by themselves, is there? <laughs> if, look, the people at home are clapping along. Do you think that's what they do? Well, you're, they're, they're in their cars. And they I don't their think they're listening at home. I think you're right. I think they're on the tube clapping and people are looking at them and they're going, Susie Raffle, do you know anything about comedy? Anyway, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming to my house. My pleasure. It's nice. It's nice to have a nose around. I like that you've chosen the Muppets mug. Yes, of course. Big fan. It's a good Big uh, fan. Start. How long have I known you, Susie? I mean, I know this because I, share, I texted you a picture from those like Facebook memories. Yeah. Um, oh, a vampire picture where none of us have changed since. Yeah. yeah. So it's like 102 years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actual, oh, that's, oh, do that you want to the day that? we... We became vampires. Made the pact. <laughs> with, with the witch, yeah. yeah. Yeah, You're Zachary Binks, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. T- ten years, I think. Ten years. Do you like films, Susie? Yes. Convenient? Very convenient. Yeah, I like films. I like going to the pictures. I don't do it as much as I'd like to. Okay. I wouldn't really... do it when you're on tour. 
A bit, not loads, mm. but maybe should do more. But I do love going to the pictures. I quite like going by myself. Yes. But I wouldn't call myself a film buff. Okay. Because I'm not good at like knowing groups of directors or who did what or whether that was the same writers or anything like that. But I enjoy sort of films for what they are, like the solo thing. Do you watch uh, films on your telly or computer or phone? Yeah, yeah, and box sets. Are you more a box set person now? No, I think it just sort of depends what mood I'm in. Last week I watched Philadelphia for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't believe I hadn't seen it. What are your thoughts on Philadelphia? I thought it it was great. I think it's aged really well. Oh, great. And Tom Hanks is brilliant. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I think that's also where Denzel went big in the mainstream. He's my favourite film star. Yeah, he's really great in it. And his character has a real journey as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It's very sad. It's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah, I really cried at the end. I forgot to tell you something. I feel like I know where this is going. I should have told you at the beginning. It's bad that I didn't actually. I don't even know how you're going to take this because you seem... You seem like quite zen. So Do maybe I? take this well. But okay. I still think it's going to be a shock. But, uh, fuck. You died. You died. I'm sorry. This is a concern because this keeps happening when people come to this podcast. <laughs> and I think people are going to start thinking it's you. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Agatha, what's her name? Madison Wright. Uh, Jessica Fletcher. No, you're not finding the killers. You're killing people. That's what. That was the twist, right? Oh. Everywhere she went, people would die. Oh. And then she'd find the killer, wink, wink. Okay, well, that's the thing. So I've died. Oh, yeah. God. How did you die? Well, I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> is it Jessica Fletcher? Oh, it might be. It's up to you. That's a great idea. I don't know. Someone really cut me up on my bike yesterday. Really? So it could have been that. Oh, that's horrible. That's very horrible, a man in a van. I hate to, hate to be <laughs> cliched, but it was. It wasn't a white van, though. It was a black van, and he called me some horrible names out of the window. Really? For something that I hadn't really done. I'm not really dealing with it. But it was quite scary. I was quite uh, scared afterwards. I was shaken. Uh-huh. That's so maybe it was that. Could not be that, is what I'm saying. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. No, that's why it was. Well, I just feel like that's the, the one that makes most sense if I'm dead now at this moment. So the man in the black van who called your name ran, ran you over? Yeah. And then I didn't realise I was dead in a very sort of... You were shaking up like Patrick Swayze. Or Sixth Sense. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. So I've been going about my life really thinking, nearly. like, my girlfriend's not talking to me. Oh. Or, like, what's going on? I'm the first person who's looked you in the eyes in the whole day, right? Well, you can see ghosts because you've done this podcast so much. Yeah. All right. Did you worry about death? Now I do, yeah. Right. Well, now that I don't know whether I've been undead, dead, mm. and been wandering around sort of thinking that I'm having my life, but in fact... Previous to this, death is an anxiety of yours? No, I've got a lot of anxieties, but I wouldn't say that death is one of them. Death's not making the cut. No. I feel like, well, when I'm dead, it's all done, isn't it? Do you think that's it? you think there's an afterlife? I'd like to think there is. Yeah. I think it's a lovely idea. I think maybe. I think that there's maybe something happens to our energy. Yes. Who we are. Like the, I don't know, I guess some people would say soul. Other people would say energy or something else. And I don't know if it necessarily goes away, but I don't know if it's anything physical that we can understand but you think your consciousness is gone i don't know mm. i don't know have you ever had a ghostly experience no what is that oh like an experience of a ghost oh have i ever had one sorry yeah. i thought you said have you ever read it no. i have had an experience of a ghost have you yeah can you tell us about it and by I us t- i mean me and you I guys i told listening. it on richard herring's podcast but i suppose i could that's fine you're allowed to cross over oh yeah you can do material twice okay <laughs> I mean, I've seen oh, Why you... did anyone tell me? I don't know, there's some stuff of yours I've seen you do a few times. What? 
It's insane. Uh, you're just remembering it. What happened was a friend of ours, family friend, we were all in Devon, I believe sure. it was. And we were in like a hotel and the hotel had a pool. We were all in the pool. Us as a family. There was a family friends that we had who had a, like a cottage in Devon. They were staying in that cottage down the road. The mum of that family had recently died. She died very sadly of cancer. They, the family, the dad, his daughter and another girl are in that cottage. We're, all, we're sort of seeing them for dinner and stuff like that. But that we're having separate time because we're in a hotel. Yeah. One day, suddenly, they all come to the pool. We're in the pool at the hotel. They've moved out of the cottage and moved into the hotel. Why? What's happened? Ghosts. We're terrified. Ghosts. Part of us is all like, what? But part of us is all also, because well, it's so recent that the mum died, part of us is thinking, you know, romantically, you're thinking, well, I kind of hope it's the mum, you know. Yeah. That'd be nice. But also, they're terrified. And then these are normally not the sort of people to ever yeah. engage in this sort of stuff. So the story that they tell us, is the night before, the two girls gone to bed. There's, they've been eating sweets. They've got, like, boiled sweets all over the place. Turn out the light. A sweet hits one of them in the head. She goes, stop throwing sweets at me. The other girl goes, well, I haven't done anything. Another one hits her. Stop throwing sweets. I haven't. I'm not doing anything. They turn on the light. Sweets flying around the room. <gasps> terrified, run into the dad. Dad, dad, dad. He goes, what are you talking about, this stupid? He goes into the room. He says, will you stop throwing sweets at my daughter? Sweet hits him, they scream out <laughs> in the bedroom. Oh, previous to this, in the dark, before the sweets start flying, one of the girls is freezing cold. She says, can we turn the heating on? The other girl's like, what are you talking about? It's boiling. Freezing cold, boiling. Sweets going around. Anyway, so they run out. So the next day, me, my dad and my sister and another guy go to the cottage. They're all too terrified to go. We're like, well, we've got to have a look, haven't we? And we go in the cottage, middle of the day, sunny, not sunny, but daylight. And... Um, I go upstairs and we're like, ooh, but it doesn't feel like there's nothing going on. I go to the bathroom, have a wee, forget to flush the toilet. Remember that bit? My dad puts some coins on the bed where the girls were sleeping, puts like a 50p, a 20p and a 10p, puts them on the bed and then like steps back. Nothing happens. We stand there. All at once, the toilet flushes and the coins go bing, bing, bing in three different, three different directions. The coins fling across the room and we scream and run out. And that's it. Uh, so what happened to the family? They end up going back to the house? They got an exorcist. <gasps> got an exorcist for that. Turns out the story we were told, according to whoever, you know, person that went there, was that, that it wasn't the mum or anything. There were ghosts that lived in this house that did not like her friend, the daughter's friend. Felt like her energy was not nice. So they were trying to get her out of the house. So they had an exorcist. I mean, look, all of this might be total madness and blah, 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 except for I cannot explain why those coins, you know. That's terrifying. I don't know how that happened. If there is a logical explanation, I'd love to hear it. But I, I, I saw it happen, and I don't know why. That's scary. So, thank you. Good night. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm not, good night, I'm not leaving. Mm. So that's, uh, I don't know if I'll keep that in, but that's... Uh, that's, I mean, it's a good story, though. You should talk about it on stage. Really? I don't know, something... Something in it. Something, like, thrilling about hearing a story like that. Yeah. But have you ever had a ghostly experience? Not really... Just like, had a dream where I thought my nan was there. Mm -hmm. And then, and I couldn't get to her in the dream. Couldn't get to her, couldn't get to her, couldn't get to her. She was in the distance. I was shouting. I was trying to get to her, trying to get her attention. Couldn't get to her. And then I sort of struggled myself awake. And I felt like as I woke up, I heard my nan's voice say, we need to go, we've scared her in my room. Oh my God, that gave me a shiver. Oh, Mm. Oh, that's such a good story. Scary, isn't it? God, that's scary. We need to go. Who was she saying that to? She was day? with her sister, my great aunt, in, in, in my dream. <clears throat> was. Oh, we need to go scared her. 
oh, that breaks my heart a bit. Yeah, I know. And I feel like she was in my room and I woke up and I was like, <gasps> my auntie, I don't know, I think it's right to tell this on here, but my mum's dad died when they were very young, sadly. And uh, her sister, my auntie, had an experience of sort of praying, I just want to see him one more time, I just want to see him one more time, I just want to see him one more time. And then he appeared at the end of her bed and she was so scared that she ran, like immediately ran away and like regretted. Yeah. Almost like, oh, don't, oh, don't, then this is too scary. And uh, maybe he would have said, oh, we must go, we're scared. Maybe. So I don't know about life after death. I like the idea of something, but Mm. I don't know, there's stuff that, I don't know, I think it's all, I think it's far beyond what we know. Yes. I mean, I'll be talking more about ghosts in a bit. Well, good news. Yeah. Or bad news, depending if you wanted to sort of some peace and quiet. There is an afterlife. Yay. There's a is heaven. my nan here? Yeah, she's there. She stops. She's like, just be careful because she's very jumpy, this one. <laughs> great. She says to everyone up there. Great. Tread lightly with her. She spooks easy. Yeah, But great. everyone there wants to talk about film. It's your right. life through film. Yeah. The first question they ask you is, what is the first film that you remember seeing? The Jungle Book. Good one, right? Love the Jungle Book. Yeah. What were the circumstances in which you saw the Jungle Book? So I would have seen it on home on VHS. Yes. I. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have a brother that's older than me. How much older is he? Four years. Are you tight? Yeah, we're close. Carry on, please. So remember watching it and really enjoying it and thinking it was brilliant. Did you watch it alone? No, I would have watched it with my family. I watched it a lot with my dad, and I watched it. I remember watching it with my dad when I was poorly. When I was like yeah. ill, I'd like wake them up and be like, oh, I've been sick. I was really sickly as a child. Yeah. I would always, I was like always throwing up and I was really like, I was underweight for ages. Really? They were feeding me. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to point out. But I just, um, I was really, yeah, I was really, uh, like, I was, I've always been sort of a bit lanky. I was really skinny. And I was often, I often had an upset tummy and so I was often throwing up. So I remember waking up my dad and him like being like, all right, come on, let's get upstairs, let's put on Jungle Book. Oh, really? To like sort of chill me out. I mean, here's a story yeah. that I have, I've talked about in an Edinburgh show, uh, but not this specific bit of it. But briefly, when I was a child, my dad was arrested in Italy for basically something that he, there were, someone put drugs in a, a lorry that he drove and he right. didn't know anything about it. And he was, they locked him up for about four or five weeks. Right. Um, maybe a bit longer, maybe a couple of months. Then eventually they realised that it wasn't his and they found the people that had done it. They were putting drugs in people's lorries because my dad was a long-distance lorry driver and he would cross countries. Right. And so he was driving, doing like a trip they had done before from England through France to Italy. Anyway, it kept happening and they eventually realised that it wasn't really him. But he'd spent quite a lot of time in this Italian prison and they kept saying to him, you're going to get 10 years, you're going to get 10 years. And he was like, I haven't done anything. I didn't know what was in my lorry. Like this was just like, and I'm just delivering fruit. And so he didn't know anything that was going on and like, like, I think for a while it was a bit like, oh, God, is this going to go? So he was in, in prison in, in Italy? Yes, yeah, so and no one spoke wow. English. It wow. was terrifying. Yeah, he knew nothing about sort of what he knew that he was delivering stuff. He, he hadn't yeah, checked yeah. the back of the, which I guess he was meant to have done. So like, they were like but anyway, he yeah. then thought that he was going to be in prison for 10 years, in prison in, in Milan. And after six weeks, the British embassy went. There was nothing to link him to these people that had planted drugs in his lorry and so he got released right and did you only know this in those days like just from a phone call mm. so my mum was like mum would have been like 35 two children under 10 wow. husband gone could be in prison for 10 years could be it? in prison for 10 years God. hadn't really had a chance to speak to my dad yeah so she didn't really know the ins and outs of it 
had thought like what have you done like it was yeah. nightmare nightmare situation my uncle's coming around and paying the mortgage like debt collectors at the door like God. awful i only found this out like a few years ago i, I knew about knew about the story of dad being in Italy, but this part of the story mm. so he hadn't told mum he was coming home they were just like we've got you on a flight and like no one had a mobile yeah. So unless you asked for a call, so they just took him to, straight to the airport. He's like, great. So we just went. And then he didn't call her from the airport because, again, no mobile yeah. phones. He just got on the train back to Portsmouth. And mum said that she was in the kitchen and she heard him whistle uh, up the up in, into the garden. Yeah. And he walked into the back of the garden and mum, like, obviously it was like, they realised it wasn't him. Like, you know, it was just like such a relief for him to be home. And mum cried and we were all like, oh my God, you're back, you're back, you're back. And I apparently ran up to him and dad said, do you want to watch The Jungle Book? Mate, that's the most beautiful story I've ever read. And he said that that's what he kept thinking about when he was going to sleep in these, like, steel things, being like, why didn't I check? What did I do? I'm such an idiot. You're always told to check when you cross borders. You know, all this stuff. Mm. You know, he wasn't a very wealthy person, so he did loads of jobs that, like, maybe for people that were a bit dodge, but he didn't really know the ins and outs of it. But we were so, he'd just been made bankrupt. So he was, we, we were just so, it was just so hard to make a living that dad then was in this tiny cell when no one spoke English. The only thing they said to him was 10 years. And he had, yeah, no idea what was going to happen to him. And he's like a really sort of like easygoing, good bloke, my dad. Yeah. that just fell on really hard times. And then, yeah, came in and he just, like, I don't remember it. But mum said, oh, yeah, he picked you up and said, do you, do you want to watch the Jungle Book? Oh, my God, that's the most beautiful story. <laughs> yeah. I love, it must have been fucking amazing, just him appearing out of nowhere with no warning. Yeah, I think that so. That must have looked, that's like a Christmas miracle. Yeah, but I think my mum was like, oh my God, you're here. And then like, what the fuck did you do? Right. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, she didn't even know that I was doing Yeah, so. Why are like... you driving around trucks? You... Yeah. Yeah. So that, so then I have like a link to that yeah. as well. And I was on the phone to mum and dad this morning. They were uh, coming back from somewhere and I was coming through the hands free on the, in the car. Yeah. And I said, oh, I was doing my friend's podcast today about films. I said, what was the first film that I watched? And Dad went, I'm the king of the swingers, uh, yo. And right. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. That is <laughs> so he sang it. <laughs> that is my favourite answer to this question I have yet had. Oh, thanks. That's beautiful. Yeah. What a lovely story. I mean, obviously, there was drama, but the ending. Was, do you know what I mean? But there's always a little bit of drama. I'd like to see that. I was like the railway children at ending. Fucking hell. I know. I'd really like to Oof. write the film of my dad and his yeah. family's lives at some point, but the time hasn't come yet for me to feel like I can take on a subject, <laughs> a big old subject, like, you yeah, know. Family beast. Yeah. And also, like, just, I'd really want to be able to shine. Like, I wouldn't when want you... it to be like Ken Loach, like, oh my God, unbelievably bleak, but also brilliant. But <laughs> I'd like to show, like, the sort of, softer lighter sides i think there's something about certain working class people that sort of have this well it's all gone wrong but we're not dead yet yeah yeah and i'd say that for sort of some parts of history my family have very much been those sort of people of like well just got to carry on when you uh, talked about that stuff in your stand-up mm. did you have a conversation with your dad saying i want to talk about yeah this yeah i did yeah i did and what was he like yeah go for it yeah oh great have yeah. you seen it yeah, I don't think he'd want me to do it on telly, but I think in okay. the live experience, because then someone else edits it and it could, it could end up looking yeah. like a very different story. Yeah. Because, you know, my dad was, I went like, you know, it's not like, my father was in prison when I was a child. It was like, for briefly, my yeah, dad was locked yeah. up in Italy. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is he still won't eat pasta. <laughs> Happened when I was six. I'm 32 now. Yeah. So that's been like... Get that shit out of my ass. Yeah, 26 years of him being like, don't like pasta. <laughs> Just won't have it. I think that's fair. That's a really good answer. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, what is the film that scared you the most? So going back to our earlier discussion, Re-Ghosts, The Conjuring. I love, mate, tell you what, The Conjuring, and The Conjuring 2 is a 
phenomenal horror film. And Annabelle? Annabelle is all right. <laughs> so, the, I've not seen The Conjuring 2, the, the first Conjuring, yeah. because it's so... So well done. I think they're just great. The yeah. The ghost trains. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a great, yeah, it's a great sort of ghost film in the way of like, I find horror quite scary and I'm a bit of a wuss. Right. with some stuff I like and also like doing a job like this you spend so much time like on the road staying in different hotels <laughs> last year I went and did some shows for the Melbourne Comedy Festival called this Comedy Roadshow thing and we were staying in like we stayed in one place that looked like Bates Motel oh really and you stay in places that are really and so you don't I, need extra fears no and also like I've got quite an overactive brain so I'm like oh like you know the classic like brushing your teeth and thinking there's like if I look up there's going to be a face behind me in the wind in the mirror you know that sort of thing but I've got a couple of friends, Joe and Dan, who are a couple who are like two of my really good mates. They're really into horror. Right. And so for a while, uh, a little group of us would go and watch horror films when they came out. And I would say that after Annabelle, I was like, do you know what? I'm going gonna, gonna to leave this for a bit because it's not really my bag. I'm leaving this friendship, Joe and Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, leaving, I'm not leaving the friendship. But I am leaving film club because okay. this is too scary. <laughs> so The Conjuring, what is it like? 1970s is uh yes i believe so and yeah it's shot in a way that sort of i mean i'm sure it is high definition but it's shot in a way that it sort of looks like a 70s film yeah do you know what i mean like it's a little bit seepier in places it's not it's got a good grade on it yeah i yeah. guess that's what it is yeah and i found that really scary so the first one is it the second one with the nun no the, f- the first one is with annabelle it starts with the doll. Yes, because yeah, because they yes. put the doll in the museum, didn't they? So there, there's there's a couple who are like spirit hunters. Yeah, the second hunters. one is the Enfield haunting story. Yes, I've so, seen that as well. Right. Yeah, so I've seen all three of them, but they're the same people, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the same cast and everything. So yeah, it's just this idea that this doll is possessed, and yeah. it's I mean it's it's fucking terrifying in places. It, it is. It's really jumpy. When sometimes when I go and see horror films. I'll just watch like the corner of the screen so I don't have to take everything in. So be like, oh, it looks like there's a ghost there. Or just, it's the jumpiness that I find. But it is sort of thrilling. Yeah. But also quite... um, You can live without it. I don't know. I sort of like, I've not watched a horror film for a while, but there is something quite, there's something quite exciting about watching them. But I didn't, I did not care much for parts of, the Conjuring 2 and Annabelle. I mean, I think even The Conjuring 1, I think the, con- the first Conjuring I thought was a fantastic film. Yeah. And then the second one, it got a bit scarier. And then the third one, I just remember being quite exhausted afterwards. I was like, this is too much. I was just like, it's just being like, I can't wait for this to end. I can't wait for this to end. I can't wait for this to end. <laughs> it's about Charles Manson, isn't it? Which That's one? what it is. Annabelle. Annabelle. Annabelle is possessed by someone that kills themselves mm. in Manson's cult. Right. In the house. And okay. the idea is, I think, that the spirit of that sort of cult member went into a doll. Which, of course, when you say it on a podcast, sounds not only ridiculous, but also like, why on earth would you be scared of that? That's silly. But let me tell you, in the pictures, it's scary. Yeah, <laughs> it's as scary. a radio play, it doesn't work. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I just think they're... Uh, I, I think the Conjuring films in particular, there's lots of those films, but I think those two certainly are excellent. Yeah. Really well put together, really proper actors in them. Proper. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing with so many horror films, they'll sometimes not be great cast. Because sometimes yeah. they like to have people that are not famous, which yeah. makes sense because you want it to feel like a bit realer. Because yeah. otherwise you'll be watching and being like, well, there's Hilary Swank. I know that she's fine because she's Hilary Swank. She's going to be fine. She can box. Yeah, exactly. As long as there's no stalls about, she'll be fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah, I find quite a lot of things quite scary. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I like, like The Omen and I really like Rosemary's Baby. 
Okay. And single white female, which but they're more like thrillery. So yeah, I'd say that was my. Uh, that, that, I, I find those sort of. Sk- I, I don't. I don't care much for slasher. Don't yeah, care much for yeah. blood. The saw films. Nah, no. thank you. Gore. Law. Um, but ghosts scare me. Well, you've had one. Well, I don't know. Uh, what is the film that made you cry the most? It's quite a few. Um, Boys don't cry. Okay. Great film. You were like, girls do. Yeah, girls do. I'm absolutely weeping right now. Oh, still Alice. Fucking hell, mate. Have you seen Still Alice? Do you know what? I will be honest with you. I have not seen Still Alice for the simple reason that I, I see nearly everything and I love Julianne Moore so much, but I read the synopsis of Still Alice and I thought, I don't quite know why I would be watching this film because it just sounds so fucking depressing. It was really sad. So yeah. it's a film about a woman who is diagnosed with early onset dementia yeah. or al- Alzheimer's. Not so no, I think I think dementia is when you're old. So I think it's Alzheimer's, and she is basically just sort of like losing herself, mm. and it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, Kristen Stewart. That's Kristen, Kristen Stewart, Stewart plays her daughter. Alec Baldwin's her husband. Yeah, and it's just oh yeah, I bawled my eyes out. Yeah, it was really sad. <laughs> not entirely sure why I watched yeah, it. You're not saying like no, it's, I mean she's brilliant in it. Yeah, she's yeah. so great in it. I mean, watch it for a masterpiece in acting. Yeah. And also, like, I don't know, I guess part of me is like, you know, some people are living that. Mm. That is some people's lives. Don't, you know, yeah, it's really sad. But, you know, if you're watching, if you can sit there and watch someone be, like, stabbed. Yeah. Or, like, you know, or, like, yeah. in Saw, it's like, oh, the key to the bear trap is in that man's brain. Do you want to get it out? <laughs> like, if you can watch that and be like, oh, that's fine, then I guess we should all be able to watch stuff like that and go, oh, this is the existence of some people and that's mm-hmm. really sad and their stories are still really valid. So, yeah, you watch them, but yeah, I mean, there's a moment where she forgets where the toilet is in her own house and wets herself, and I oh bawled my eyes out because I just thought she's like, "Where's the bath?" She goes into the wrong. She keeps going into the wrong rooms, and everyone's like, "Mum, you know where the bathroom is," she, uh, and it's just. And then she when she, then she wets herself, and she just look like she's just so great. Yeah, it's really moving. It's really sad. She's a bloody good actor. She's a great actor. What was the other one? You said there were a few. the Notebook. Yes, okay. Yes, that's lovely. Yeah, I found that very sad. Mm. Milk. Yeah. Cried a lot of milk. That was very sad. Sean Penn's really good in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, up. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big crier. Yeah, like a sad Ah, oh, when Jesse sings in oh, Toy Story no. 3. I mean, just fuck that. When she loved me, absolutely not. The worst. What is the film that yeah. is supposed to be bad? But you love it unashamedly. Most people are like, this film's terrible. Critically disavowed. You're like, idiots. I don't necessarily think idiots, but I think, I don't care what you think. Love, actually. Great. I like it. I think Emma Thompson's performance in that is... Magnifique. Magnifique. Went during that Joni Mitchell song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Breaks your heart. Really breaks your heart. So I'd say, yeah, that one. I don't don't massively care for Bill Nye's character. And apparently there was a, a lesbian story in it that got cut. Really? With Francis de la Tour. Really? Yeah, and oh, is it like an older gay couple in there? Who were going to be one of the small stories that, you know, they're all sort of little vignettes that are put together. Why did they get cut? Time, I guess. I don't know, ask. I'll ask. Susie Ruffers is welcome to the lesbian storyline. And also, can you just make a lesbian rom-com? Or just a rom-com with lesbians in? I'll ask him. Thanks. And can you also give him my CV? Yeah. Cool. You leave it here. Okay. Oh. What is the film you loved years ago? You used to love this film and then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh dear, this doesn't hold up. I found it really difficult, okay. this question. I feel like films are in sort of moments. 
they're, like, you know, you can look back at stuff and go, oh my God, people used to, like, you know, obviously, like, there's some awful messages in films or mm. awful, like, people playing sort of races that they're not. Yeah. And stuff like that, which is like, ooh, I find this very difficult to watch now. Yeah. You know, I guess stuff like, I loved Bring It On and I right. loved She's All That. But then, yeah. of course, I did. I was a teenage girl. Yeah. And they were great then. I don't think that I'd be like jumping into it, like, you know, yeah. wanting to go and watch Bring It On now. But I still, you know, I still love it. Yeah. But from that time, I remember thinking, I know what you did last summer was terrifying. That's <laughs> and seeing answer. a bit of a re- recent name being like, this is not at all scary. <laughs> so, it's not the country. No, it's not. And I really like Scream 1 and 2, and then they sort of trailed off a bit. But yeah, I thought that was, I found, found, found that question quite difficult. Okay. Well, if you would like to ignore that question, you can. But bear in mind that all your points are going to be added up at the end. And if you've left an answer empty, that's a zero. Okay, then bring it on. Okay, thank you. What's wrong with bring it on? Well, nothing. It just used to be, I used to think it was amazing. And it might still be. You haven't checked. Oh, I don't know. I'm just trying to be positive about films, Brett, for your podcast. No, and I like it. Okay, if, you, if, if you're saying it's because you're being positive, I'm going to give you five points. Well done. That's great. What is the film that has the most meaning to you? This is my favourite question, by the way. Okay. What's the film that has the most meaning to you? Not necessarily the film's that great, but because of the experience you had around seeing it, it always means something to you. I mean, to be fair, Jungle Book is a great answer to this. Yeah. story. But if you have another one. I do. I went to see, so you know my lovely girlfriend, Alice. I absolutely love your lovely girlfriend, Alice. She's great. And uh, last year, we'd been together for a few months, a couple of months. And then just before Christmas, we, about three days before Christmas, we went to the BFI to see It's a Wonderful Life. And she'd never seen it. And I love It's a Wonderful Life. Like the black and white version, I've got no interest in the the, the colourised one. And I just think it's just such a great story and it's sort of old-fashioned and romantic and everyone has those sort of Hollywood voices that nobody ever really talked like. Um, (laughs) And I sort of love how it's sort of big and camp in places, but like sort of the overriding message of like, I mean, it's, it's sort of similar to Christmas Carol, isn't it? Like, you know, this is what would happen if you Mm. hadn't have been here. Like, you know, you, like, you know. Well, it's almost the opposite of Christmas Carol because in Christmas Carol it's like, what the world is better without you. Yeah. Whereas wonderful yeah. life is the world's world better with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. the reverse of it. And yeah, I love the whole idea of it and him sort of it, it going from such a you know the film starting in such a low place of like, oh, this guy's going to kill himself. Yeah. That's that's a really dark way to open a Christmas film. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, and then the sort of the journey that he goes on and sort of seeing, I don't know, just giving him sort of more hope in himself. And him realising, I don't know, I guess the film's about realising how lucky you are and, and I really like Christmas. Yeah. I'm, I really, I'm really, a, I'm a big kid when it comes to Christmas. I like doing all the, I like going and getting mulled wine and going to a wanky Christmas market and walking through the city and people being festive and I love all of that. I'm a fan. I love all of it except Christmas cakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would say it's really special because then we'd been dating for a little while and we knew it was going really well. And I was like, oh, we, we need to go and see this film. I can't believe you haven't seen it. So we went to the BFI, which it's always lovely going to the pictures, but there's something about going to like sort of a, either an old fashioned cinema yeah, or somewhere like the BFI that feels a bit grand. It's special, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so, and to be in a cinema that's packed, mm. so there was not a seat left. Wow. And at the end, when the bell rings, everyone bursts into applause. Uh. Which, and it was about two days before Christmas. And then 
we decided to get the bus home back to East London. So like we just sat on a big double-decker bus and watched people like with all their mates and different people doing all their little Christmassy things on the way home. And it was like, oh, this is, I think this relationship is going to, this is something quite exciting. So yeah, I'd say that. God, imagine if she hadn't liked the film. It yeah, it but when she there. cried as well, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's the same as me. She's the crier. <laughs> Go on, weep, weep, cry, cry. We're gonna put on still Alice when we get home. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That is. <clears throat> Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. What film mm-hmm. do you think is the sexiest, Susie Ruffell? I think Dirty Dancing is pretty sexy. It is pretty sexy. I remember watching that as a teenager and being like, guys, this is very rude. <laughs> uh, or maybe just maybe pre-teen. I remember thinking Save the Last Dance was very sexy. I mean, I think it's dancing you films. like a dance. Yeah, Save the Last Dance. I loved, loved yeah. that movie. But yeah, I'd say on the whole, it would be something like Dirty Dancing. It's okay. something about Patrick Swayze. Mm, and dancing. And dancing. It's hot. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. There is a side category yeah. to this question. Yeah. Troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. Uh, a film that you found arousing and thought, perhaps I shouldn't. I've heard boys say about being attracted to, like, you know, Maid Marian in the Disney version. Yeah, Robin Hood, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I can obviously see that Little Mermaid's fit, so but I still know she's a mermaid. So yeah. I wouldn't say that I've had an arousing moment that, I, that wasn't like, this is an arousing moment. So what puts you off about the little mermaid is that she's half fish, not that she's a cartoon. I'd say it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> so you do have an answer for this? No. No, okay. That is all right. Sorry. You don't lose points for not answering that weird question. That's good. What's the film that you most relate to? To be honest, I love watching anything that has, has queer characters in it. Okay. Because, I mean, it's happening more and more now, but it's still, it's still relatively rare to see a gay woman in a lead role in a film. You can sort of count them on one hand. You know, Carol. Yeah. Which is amazing. Love Carol. I love Carol. Such a great film. Christmas film too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Carol's beautiful. Beautiful film. Oh, yeah. It's shot so beautiful. Yeah. It looks like... Who's that? Is it Hopper? The, no, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It Edward looks Hopper, like yeah. his paintings, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Of like... There's a really famous painting of his where of, a woman, of people sitting in bar stools and it's... Yeah, or not bar like stools, a like diner. a... Yeah. yeah, and the whole film sort of has that wash. Yeah. yeah, I love that film. I've watched it a bunch of times. Also, if you like that film, look up the SNL Kate McKinnon oh, really? thing of it. It's so funny. Okay. It's so funny. Apparently, 
when they played it at Sundance, they put on the SNL sketch beforehand in oh, Kay Blanchett. Yeah. I thought it was very funny, uh, which good. I really liked. So that, then the kids are all right. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good film. It's a great film. Again, Julianne Moore, our friend. Yeah. Our friend Julianne. Can you think of any others? I guess it's the, it, uh, it's part of the issue, I think, currently in entertainment mm-hmm. is that now there is a lot of diversity being uh, addressed. However, it's often like if you're going to have a queer character, it has to be a queer story mm-hmm. rather than you have a lesbian actor just playing a detective. And that, You mean a lesbian character? Well, yes, could be, but 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 it doesn't have to be a story about, about that. being yeah, gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, the character happens to be gay yes. rather than that's their story. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think, think that's the issue is that we go, oh, right, we're doing it now, but but they're always very specifically and about I think being gay. Because or... of that, they end up sometimes not being as mainstream yeah. a film. I think Call Me By Your Name did that really well. Go, tell me what your thoughts are. Because I think it was quite sort of an allowedly gay, but it also just was about a boy's sexual awakening. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was, it was about another man, but it was very much just a boy's personal yeah. journey. I think that's fair. You know, like, a sort of a old-fashioned idea of what every gay boy goes through, which might be like, oh, he's being really camp, he's dressing up, he's being really outrageous, which is definitely a role within the gay community, and that is something that some Mm. gay men are like, but there's also a lot of other gay men that don't fit that narrative. But but we see more of that on screen. Mm. You know, we we do see a lot more of that with gay male stories. I feel like there's still quite a long way to go with having gay female stories and it's the same in like in sitcoms in Mm. drama in anything of there not being you know i'm not saying like every story has to be gay it's just like i feature in loads of my friends lives yeah 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 Uh, most of my friends are straight people not through choice but just because of especially like comedy there are you know there is there are quite a few gay girls in comedy but a lot of my friends are white straight men not necessarily white but straight men and i guess because that and, and i feature in their lives and it's not you know the the story is never around my sexuality. Exactly, I just yeah. exist. Yeah. And I feel like seeing that is really sort of it. and it's really it's really like connecting when you're a young adult. It really makes you there's a moment in Mean Girls where they say that one of the girls is gay. Mm-hmm. The girl that's like the ulti girl who's like she's like friends with I think he's called Jacob who's like, so they're her friends at the beginning of the movie and then she becomes friends with like the bitchy girls. Right. So there's a bit in the film where they're like, oh, she's, I've heard she's a lesbian. And I remember being in the cinema thinking, please be gay. And she's not, it was like a way to be horrible to her. Yeah. I remember thinking, please be gay. Please be, please normalise this for me. Yeah. And I think it probably happens, hopefully happens less now, certainly in this country. I mean, obviously, you know, gay rights across the world is not, you know, illegal in 78 countries, punishable by death in 10. And... <laughs> Yeah, and so it's not like, you know, the everything's, you know, the, but I just feel like there's so many gay stories that haven't been told and that I think would be super interesting to a straight audience, mm. you know, in the same way that, you know, you don't have to, you know, be a Syrian refugee to really enjoy a film about Syrian refugees, yeah, you know. Exactly. It, it's just sort of, and so I think that whenever there's characters in films that are gay and certainly gay women, it just sort of really tugs at my heart. I loved Pride. Oh, my God. I, I thought Pride was so such a beautiful film telling such an interesting story that people didn't know about, you know, these two, if you haven't seen it, first of all, watch it. But it's about a group of people that are minors in Wales that have been sort of, the the miners strike. They're all striking for pay and safety. And uh, basically uh, the Gay Liberation Front in London, whose headquarters used to be in Gays the World, which is a gay bookshop that still exists in Russell Square, 
they basically raised funds to help them. And it's this sort of very sweet story of two different types of people who are very different types of fee people feeling like no one cared. And then both saying, I'll care. I remember watching it and just crying so much and finding it so moving that these different types of people standing up for each other. And I couldn't believe that it hadn't already been told. Mm. Because if it was like about two rival football teams, there'd be eight films about it (laughs) and a series. Yeah. If it was a story, you know, if it was a story that, but, but like, I think, I guess for a long time, people were like, oh, who's going to watch it? And it's like, everyone. Yeah. This is what I, I think, uh, unfortunately, um, and well, and what's kind of interesting is it is a business. The film industry is a yeah. business. But what, like, something like Black Panther proved is Black Panther is fucking massive. And brilliant. And brilliant. But well, that, that also, I'm not into superhero films yeah. at all. Would it be cast as a superhero film? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And. I'm not into them. Like, I've seen a few, liked some of them, liked a couple of the X-Men films, but I'm not a Marvel girl. I'm not into that. Yeah. And I, it totally made me think, oh, maybe I am into it. And then, yeah. I, and then I watched another one. I was like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I just loved it. I thought yeah. it was so brilliant and such social commentary yeah. within a film uh, where you don't, not that you don't expect it, but like, oh, you're telling me lots of things by, yeah. you know, just this sort of fantasy world, which I guess is what the job of superheroes films can be but i just thought it was executed so beautifully yeah go on well but the point is that it was considered for a long time a risk to have a black cast yeah completely black cast black, yeah it's like one person and women and all sorts yeah. going on in it and it was huge and it huge. made so much money absolute box like, of a smash yeah proved it wasn't like only black people went to see it, it no wasn't only women with short hair went to see it yeah, because yeah, of the woman yeah. who's in the world you know what i mean it's like Everyone no. went to see it. And it was. It's a good film. So now you can put more. You yeah. prove to the business people. Yes. Not everyone has to be. White or male or the, the storylines. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be about the black experience or, you know. Well, yeah, exactly. Because that's not. Just be yeah. a story. Yeah. And that's what I hope happens. I mean, I feel like it's great that there's sort of, I've heard, you hear about a lot of like, there's a, there's a lot of gay films that are coming out this year about women and trans films and films about the gay male experience is one that's come out with nicole kidman in it it's about conversion therapy oh yeah about them sending people saying i'm really sorry i can't remember the name of it but that looks really good and there's loads of stuff and i think that's the thing there is so much room Mm. within films and within storytelling and i think that there's still a long way to go not a long way to go but i think there's a lot of stories that are yet to be told and so i say that i'd say that i get this sort of physical connection to those films Mm. where i feel like you know, this isn't me, but this is highlighting part of the queer history that I am now part of because yeah. of my, my life. Great answer. Thanks. What, objectively, is the greatest film of all time? You're going to hate me for saying this. Go on. E.T. Uh, I'm not going to hate you for saying it. The reason that I, I will say for the listener that I've started saying in the, it, it, when I send people the questions, try to avoid E.T. <laughs> only because... E.T. pops up in various forms. However, I am making an exception for you, Susie Ravel, because I do know that E.T. is very... I mean, I have a figurine of him on my mantelpiece. Okay, tell us It's a foot big. Oh, it's to scale. No, he would be bigger than that, I think. I think, I imagine E.T. around three foot. Right, okay. Just FYI. Depends on the size of your telly, but okay. Sure. Um, I love it. I think it's an amazing film. I watch it about twice a year. I love him. I love it. I love the story between him and Elliot. Mm -hmm. I love it when he's dressed up as a woman. I love it when he's drunk at school. I mean, E.T. is a story, and I'm, I don't know whether me as a gay person particularly linked to it, mm-hmm. because 
I felt like a real outsider as a child. And I think that's the thing about Elliot, not E.T. being the outsider, but Elliot being the outsider and then him finding this friend. And I was a bit of a, like, not a weirdo at school, but I didn't have a lot of mates and I found it quite hard to... Ugh, I mean, this this is not under therapy, but because of I think if you're growing up and you are gay and you are, you constantly have this secret and mm. different people that come out really early, amazing, uh, but I didn't, and I always had this massive secret. So because of that, I, I never could be completely relaxed. Were you always aware of it like... from when I was about twelve or thirteen? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then I didn't come out for about ten years. Wow. So it was like carrying around a backpack of shame. Yeah. Um, and when you're always carrying that, it's very hard to relax around people. So therefore, I found it very hard to make friends. And I was a bit of a, I was considered to be a bit of a loser. And so there was something in E.T. that Elliot was this kid that got sort of, he gets picked on right at the top of the film. Mm. And his brother's sort of mean to him. And then he has this friend. And I just loved it from when I, I I probably watched it a bit too young. And I think my brother, who is four years older than me, would be like, oh, don't watch that, it's scary. But I loved it. I loved this idea of this little man from outer space. And there was nothing to be scared of because he was really kind. And his people are kind. Yeah. Um, I don't like it that they've changed the film now. No. So that it's, so that the spaceship looks better. No. Give me the old spaceship. Um, I love that you only see the people from the waist down except for the mum until the last third of the film. Yeah. Grown-ups, not people, the grown-ups. I love how the siblings come together to do something positive. There's a car chase. Yeah. There's like, there's a bit of action. There's sort of love, not a romantic love, but a love that Elliot and E.T. have for each other and Gertie, uh, the little sister. And there's peril. That, like, you know, you're scared. There's mm-hmm. longing for each other. There's, it's sort of a sad ending. It sort of has all these elements. There's moments that are scary. The, you know, the beginning moment with the, the swing and then him being in the, in like the shed bit or where they put the bins. Yeah. And when he rolls the ball back. You know, that's it's a really jumpy scary. moment. Yeah. yeah. There's comedy when Elliot's at school and he lets all the frogs free. When the brother bangs his head. When the brother bangs his head, yeah. That's my favourite bit. Yeah, so good. When he's dressed as the lady. Yeah. And he does that. Like, with the neck. <laughs> love it. So much to love. Yeah. It's also like a sort of 70s movie, like the, the dinner scene with the family up yeah. top. It's like, feels improvised, feels like. Yeah. It's not very When the like mum some... loses her cool yeah, and she's like, stop it. Like, yeah, it's feels really. feels so real. And... Yeah. And I think, I wonder, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I've seen that I've got the bonus 20th. Yeah edition dvd re-release of course i do it's got an extra bonus video on it of how they make video dvd <laughs> yeah. how they make it which i'll obviously watch and you see all the auditions and the elliot one is quite famous oh, yeah. so he was incredible that. um and they were like don't take in he sort of they they filmed his audition and he's just a little kid that goes to a drama club i think and they said we've taken away your friend and he bursts into tears and mm. has this incredible talent of being able to touch this emotional part of him at such a young age it's incredible but the drew barrymore audition is amazing as well and Steven Spielberg originally saw her for Poltergeist, but thought she was oh, too really? light. Yeah, he was like, she's too bubbly. Oh, and then as wow. soon as E.T. came along, because the idea was, and Drew Barrymore says in it, is that she knew that he wasn't real, but she didn't completely believe he was fake. Uh. So I imagine with those sort of family scenes, and because so much of it is children, there's so much, like, mm. like you know, there's classroom scenes. Yeah. of kids that are like 10. It's not like teenagers who are almost adults. It's children. Yeah. And I imagine he's the kind of director that just keeps the camera going. Mm. But yeah, just keep trying it in different ways. Yeah. And because and, and, I feel like there's... I mean, I'm really into it. Really treatable yeah, no, performances. You know what? This is definitely staying in. You've really... You've earned its place. 
Yeah, I've really. Um, I Did you it's... have an ET? As in, you related to Elliot and you then like this idea of this friend that appeared. Yeah, I used to have an imaginary friend, yes. Uh, she lived in my watch. She was called Gemini. Gemini? Yeah. Lived in your watch? Yeah. Okay. She was like from space. Oh. I think she was green. And more like a pink jumpsuit, which is probably from something. But I, I, I didn't really believe that she was real, but I used to play. But you didn't know she was fake. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to play talking into my watch and then her talking back to me and me running around and being crazy. She wasn't an imaginary friend in that like, I saw her. Right. I just sort of conjured her up in my brain of who she was. Did you feel that way for 10 years? That I had to have imaginary friends? No, when I was 21, mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of reined it in slightly. No, as in before you came out, you came out at 21, did you? Yeah. So for those 10 years, from 12 when you were aware to 20 and you had Yeah, so nine years, it, yeah. Did you feel... Like Elliot, like did it change? Uh, you know, I felt very much like an outsider, and like I didn't fit, and that I was really ashamed that I didn't fit. That's very sad, isn't it? Did it you... is sad, but I think now it's. But I think that the way that it can be less sad is if there is more. Um, yeah, well, exactly. So you, you didn't know, have anything around that showed you. That being gay was okay. Yeah, that this was not. No, nothing. The only thing I really knew was that Ellen came out and she lost her job. Oh, fuck, yeah. And you didn't have, there were none of your friends, no one else in school, nothing? No, no one else in school, no friends. An uncle that lives in Germany that I don't really know, like a great uncle, my uh, granddad's brother. Like, no one else didn't know anyone gay, hadn't really met any gay people. I'd met a couple of camp men. Did you talk to anyone about it? No. No one for 10 years? No. I mean, I think it's why I have therapy now. Because wow, <laughs> it's a lot to carry around. But yeah, but, yeah. Th- but then what stops that happening is people having discussions and what helps discussions yeah. is, you know, role models, people in films, that stories being told, normalising. Can I ask, I mean, cut this if it's too personal, but I find it fascinating, is when, when you did come out, if you were, went through all this time of not speaking to anyone, yeah. was it that you were like, I can't take this anymore, I have to come out? Or was it... Did something happen that made you feel, okay, I can do this now? I can tell you the honest thing, and I don't mind you keeping this in, but it's quite bleak. I remember I had a boyfriend who was lovely, really, really nice guy. Yeah. We were living together, or I was like, I don't know if we were living together officially, but I was staying with him for a bit, and it was during my last year of drama school, I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was in my second year towards the end of drama school. And I remember thinking, nothing to do with him, by the way, he was great. I remember thinking if I have to live this life for the rest of my life, I'd sooner be dead. Oh, and I remember having that thought and then thinking, that can't be the story. Wow. You've, you have to deal with this. So how soon after that moment did you... I went to my friend's house that night. Oh, wow. My friend Amanda, I got to Amanda's house and cried my eyes out and she was amazing. And Matt, her husband now, boyfriend at the time, he was amazing as well. And they, would, and I just, and they, they knew loads of gay people. And I'd met, I'd met a few gay people <laughs> by this point. But I didn't really have a close friend that was gay. Right. Then I told a couple of my friends, my friend Ruth being amazing, and just going to... I remember turning up my friend Rachel's house, the day mm. that I moved out of his place, the boyfriend's place, and she said, why are you here? And I said, oh, I've left him. And she said, why? And I said, because I think I'm gay. And she went, oh, I'll put the kettle on. Uh. <laughs> it was so... And um, so my friends reacted in such a blasé way to it. I thought it was going to be sort of this far bigger thing, which it was, you know, for me. But obviously... You know, in their lives, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's fine. And so I think that I've often identified with outsiders in yeah. films or um, or in series or people that aren't quite the norm. This is two very beautiful stories you've told in this episode. <laughs> 
Uh, Not very funny, but that's okay. That's all right. It doesn't have to be. What is the one film you could watch over and over again or have watched over and over again? Titanic. Really? I love Titanic. Yeah, now. Love Titanic. Almost, and like, and like refuse to put it in the question of no? what's the bad film that you love because it's not a bad film. It's come up a few times, Titanic. It's a great People movie. People stand by Titanic. I stand by Jack and Rose yeah. till my dying <laughs> breath. Yeah? Love it. I think it's a great film. Okay. Do you want to know why? Yeah. Or is it, or is no, it go obvious? Uh, you could fill us in. I love Kate Winslet. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I love the story. Yeah. It's very, it's, I it's love very the sea. Another set. Well, no, the sea is what takes the sea's the bag, yeah. In a way, um, it's great. I love it from the opening. You know, yeah. It doesn't look any bigger than the Grand Britannia. It's far bigger, far more luxurious. Uh, there's just no praising your daughter. I love it. I love the costumes and time, and I love that love transcends class and money. <laughs> Are you laughing at that? No, I'm coughing. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I'd good. like to believe that's true. We all would. Yeah. Um, I had a really posh girlfriend once. I don't think love transcended it. Did you not? No, did you not try? In the end. Did you sketch her like one of your French girls? Because maybe that's what you should have done. Yeah. In the end, I think class we couldn't transcend it. Listen, I'm not saying that everything they say is right. We weren't on a boat, to be fair. Do you know what I mean? If you're trapped, it was sinking. Yeah. I just think it's a great film. I just think it's a really good film. I think it's got a bit of everything in it. I think it's a love story. I think Kate Winslet is a phenomenal actress. She is, correct. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is a phenomenal actor. She is. I think it's done, I think, and I think they're both, some people you watch films and you go, oh, they really learn, no, they really learn how to act. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. they're both great in it. Mm. They're both great in it. Lovely, a lovely little cameo. You like crying Kevin as Bates. well, don't you? You like crying. Yeah, I like crying. Three and a half Love it, crying. love that we've got the old lady at the end. Yeah, taking away a, Priceless. I mean, throwing that away, but I also love the bit. I love that it like dovetails at the end because mm. halfway through the film, Jack says to Ray, "When the boat's sinking, Jack says to Ray, 'You're not, you're not dying here. You're not dying now. You're going to die, an old lady, in your room, surrounded by photos.' Mm. And then that's what happens at the end of the film. It's lovely. When you tell it, I'm moved by it. <laughs> your synopsis of Titanic just moved me more, more than, than Titanic. Film. Well, maybe I should sit next to you and tell you how you ought to feel. Yeah. Tell your cold, dead heart. Just whisper to me what's going on. Yeah. This is sad. No, no he's, he's coming off the door now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're dancing. She, she, she's never allowed to dance like this normally. She's letting she's, her hair down. She's, she's flying. Not literally, but she feels like she's flying. That's actually yeah. my least favourite part of the film. I would I'm say the best Jack. scene is when the mum is doing up her corset. Mm-hmm. And she says, we've got no money. You realise what horrible compromise position Rose is in, that yeah. she has to marry this horrible guy to keep her family clothed. Just to marry this really three-dimensional man, Billy Zane. Exactly that. It's a really complicated three-dimensional character that she has to marry. Cal. Is that his name? Yeah. He'll never You're... amount to much. Yeah. You're my fiancé, my fiancé, soon to be wife! Great impression. Now, honestly, I really like, I think if you ever run out of material, you should do Titanic Live. Okay, fine. I would pay to see that. Okay. You could try and make it slightly shorter than the actual film. I'll see what I can do. I'm not making any promises. Okay, thank you. We don't like being negative, you and me. I'm, I'm naturally not a negative person. Don't what? like negging other people's work. No. What's the worst film we've ever seen? It's more that some films just leave me a bit meh. I watched one at the weekend, actually, that I didn't love. The Snowman with Michael Fassbender. Okay, I think you can have that. Have you seen it? Uh, that's the, the best part of The Snowman is the poster campaign. Yeah, it's really slow. 
And I know that's sort of the thing with like Norwegian, like long landscape shots, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and like the music and it's all, you know, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> like it got to a point where my mum was like, has anything happened yet? And I was like, no, not really. We know there's a killer. Well, you know that what happened, I haven't seen The Snowman and I'm almost interested to because the director, who's a brilliant director, everyone involved in it's brilliant, said in an interview on the opening weekend that they had only filmed 75% of the script. Right. So there is chunks of it missing. So I'm not sure it makes sense. Do you know what? It sort of doesn't. Right. Well, it sort of leads up and you're like, oh, okay, so there's this killer. They're leaving signals or they're leaving a snowman. They're leaving things. Oh, okay, you can sort of, oh, there's a profile to the kind of women he's killing. Okay, mm. you can go through all that stuff. But then you realise, oh, one of the detectives is linked to this case in a different way that we didn't expect. Okay, that's slightly interesting. And then it's like, oh, no, no, it was him all along. Blah, blah, blah. And everyone, <laughs> okay, it's done. Right. So it's this so really at least shot the long, drawn-out bit where you're going, God, this must ramp up in a minute. And it just didn't quite get there. And I like Fassbender. And, yeah, excellent. Um, and, and it's based on a book by Joe Nesbitt. He's great. Yeah. But. Okay, that's a good didn't answer. Didn't love it. Didn't love it, but I, didn't, I, mean, I don't think it's the worst thing ever made. There was just, it just didn't. It, the thing was, you know what I think is most annoying? Right. When it's a film that could almost be brilliant. Oh, yeah, well, everything about that film should be brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, white chicks. <laughs> Which is kind of a funny Love movie. Writing. Yeah, it's a funny movie. But if you're like, if you read the synopsis of someone, you yeah. could go, I could see how that would be awful. Do you know and what I mean? Yes, it isn't. But, but no, it's actually really funny. That bit where they're singing, <laughs> making my way down to So funny. So funny. Love the way in this is, this is. Yeah, really brilliant. But you know what I mean? Like the concept, I do know, you know there's, a, there's a version of White Chicks that could be bad. Yes. It's almost unimaginable having seen it. But you know what I mean? Paper, yes. What's the film that made you laugh the most, other than White Chicks? Uh, Airplane. Great. Love it. Perfect. I think it's a brilliant film. Yeah. Love Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen. Almost said Liam Neeson. Not the same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see him do Taken. Oh, talking of Liam Neeson, have yeah. you seen Widows? I have. What a great film. Great film. Loved it. Good film. So brilliant, Viola Davis. So much to love. Yeah, just such a great film. Loved it. Brilliant film. To see uh, such a, a cast with so many non-white people in it. Yeah. For the fact that it's a relationship between a black woman and a white man and that hasn't got... Like we're saying that's about the gay saying. story. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a, it's not, it's that's not that's no, no part of the script. No. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not... It doesn't need to be addressed. Yeah. And that was just one of the things that I loved about it, sort of retrospectively thinking about it afterwards. Yeah. And reading some stuff about it. But God, I thought that was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Anyway, back to Airplane. Airplane. Sorry. <laughs> Love it. So funny. So many great lines. So, so funny. So many great lines. Yeah. You know, this is a bad day to stop smoking crack cocaine. Yeah. The nun who accidentally unplugs the guy. Love the nun. The guy's life support. The girl's life support. And then yeah. she goes, like, oh, so funny. It's so ridiculous. I love everything about it. I've watched it loads. And um, I remember watching it as a teenager and thinking it was funny and then watching it as an adult. And there's so many hidden jokes. Yeah. That you would not have the amount of effort they put in in that film is extraordinary i think it's i think you'd be hard pushed to find a film that has a higher joke count yeah it's either it'd be their film it'd be naked gun yeah it's either every line is either a setup or a punchline yeah and that is so rare and and there's sight gags and there's yeah it's all happening oh it's fantastic fantastic film great answer usually it ends up we get end up on spinal tap but airplane Probably got even more jokes. I've never seen Spinal Tap. What? I know, I know. I've never seen Star Wars either. Hacker <laughs> Yeah, I know. Wow. Well, you've got a lo- lovely life. Haven't seen Goonies. 
Kablakai. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm like, oh, I think I've missed the boat. I don't worry about those, but you should watch Biotech. Yeah. It is, it's not like, it probably feels like a chore because you think, oh, it's such a classic project. It's you, fucking good. Is it's it? really funny. Okay. You'll enjoy it All more right. than you think you will, I think. Oh, all right. Okay, okay. Now, Susie Ruffalo, been an incredible guest. Thank you. I had some wonderful stories. Yeah. Some real insight. And I really appreciate it. However, when you were cut up by that uh, black van. Yeah. And it. Uh, crushed you underneath on your bio. I mean, it's really awful. That's not how I wanted you to go. But did, did I have all my DVDs in, the back, in my backpack? No. Oh, okay. You had nothing on you except you had your sketchbook and your your what you had was a voice reel of you doing impressions that you were just taken to dead ringers at Radio 4. Oh, God. But, oh, God, they never got to hear them. <laughs> how awful. <laughs> you were crushed under the van and the van was big and it spread Okay, that, that's, yeah, we've got the gist. I'm dead. I'm dead, dead. dead no, to, but dead, it's dead. worse than that because you, you've been really spread out everywhere and I've had to clear everything up, put you in the coffin, but the coffin was the size of you, but we ended up picking up bits of road. There's it a lot more stuff than we thought, right? We stuffed you in the coffin and now there's only room in the coffin for one DVD that we can just slide in the side. And when you go to the other side, there's movie night and one movie night is going to be your movie night. So what film are you taking to show them? Pride. Fantastic answer. They're going to Because I reckon they'll already have E.T. They do have E.T. I reckon yeah. I'll get there and like there'll be like four people that are like, oh, we watched that on Tuesday. And I'll be like, oh, but can we? And they're like, oh, yeah. you got to leave it a month. Yeah. There'll be a rule. Yeah. But I feel like maybe no one else will take Pride. Like some people will. Yeah. But maybe. But it's not on every note. No. You can have Pride. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Susie Ruffalo. Brett Gostillian. Love to you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Lovely time in, in heaven with pride. And good day to you, sir. So that was the Rewind Classic with Susie Ruffle. Hope you all enjoyed it. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for all the other stuff you can get. And watch Ted Lasso, episodes one to three of season three at Apple TV Plus. And watch all of Shrinking at Apple TV Plus. Basically, go to Apple TV Plus. Thanks to the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it. Thanks to Lisa Lydon for the photography and Adam Richardson for the artwork. Thank you all for listening. Have wonderful lives. And in the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. 
Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. Yeah, thank you.